Welcome back to Following Noadon, a Stormlight podcast. This week, we are doing episode 7, which is chapters 22 through 25 of The Way of Kings. We, are, we will be discussing multiple things this week, including a couple new characters and a couple, uh, couple decisions that need to be made and some drama between Dalinar and Adolin. And uh, Paul... Can you give me two words to describe these these chapters? Sure can. So my two words for this week were political and hardworking. Political and hardworking. And I do believe hardworking is actually one word. So okay. you can... Hyphenated? It's at least hyphenated. hyphenated. Yeah. At, at, at a minimum, it's hyphenated. All right. Elliot, what is your single words to not... No run-ons? My my actual single words are you actually almost stole one of them with your intro there. My words are family drama. Family family drama. Family drama. Okay. Let's let's discuss family drama. All right, Paul, uh, what were you t- your two words? So I, I said political and hardworking. Political? What does and political mean? The political was, was for the conversations that we're going to look at between uh, Dalinar and his mother and how his mother seems a lot more savvy in the public sphere and a little more political-minded, like kind of the, the proper games in a sense. Um, a lot better at that than Dalinar is. And I said hardworking whenever we're going to look at Kaladin's chapters and how um, he really puts in a lot of legwork to try and make some money and improve his his situation uh, on the bridge crew. Okay. Okay. Uh, Elliot, family drama. What are you referring to here? So I said family drama because there was a lot of interaction between family members in these chapters we had the dalinar chapters like paul mentioned where we get i I think it's it's elokar's mother right who who comes in yes elokar's mother so it's it's dalinar's essentially what would that be sister-in-law basically so lots of family interaction there we had dalinar and adolin getting into it with some serious drama there in between family and then finally, in chapter 25, we met Kaladin's mother, which I was super curious to learn about her and if she was still in the picture or who she was. And we got to meet her and interact with her. So lots of family. Yes, indeed. Lots of family. Uh, before we go any further, let's let's uh, spell check some of these some of these characters and places. Um, so Elokar's mother or uh, Dalinar's sister-in-law. Um, Elliot, how would you say this name? So for this one, I went with Navani. It seemed pretty simple to me. Okay. Navani. All right. Spot on. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Paul, how would you like right. to spell Navani? So a lot of my inspiration now for these spell checks has been the idea of palindromes and these near Ooh. palindromes that they always go for. So mine is close to palindrome. I have N A V A N I. Correct. 
Ding, 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 100 percent correct for both of you. Good job, good job. Off to a good start. Um, Very good start. The second one is a little obscure. It is found in chapter twenty-two, and Elliot, how would you like to say this this place's name if you know where I'm referring to? So I'm hoping I'm looking at the the right one, and my win streak is probably ending here. Is this is this the one that's two words yes. essentially? Two two short okay. words. Starts with an S. Okay. Yep. Yep. All right. I'm kinda kinda guessing here. It seems like it might be simple, but then not, so I'm kinda guessing on the not. I'm going for Salah Talis. Okay. Um not hundred percent correct, but not not bad. Uh ah, Paul. Very close. I mean it's basically the flow of the word was the only part that was wrong. I would say Salatales. So okay. You're, you're basically correct. Yep. Um, I did not know that this was two words. So <laughs> it, me, it disqualifies me from the spelling. Uh, I had, similar with the near palindrome, I had S-E-L-E-T-A-L-E-S. Oh, you're almost correct. So close. The, it's an it's Selah is in an A at the end of Selah, mm-hmm. and then Tales. So, but the, they're also two different words. So you there's a there's a strike against you. True. I, I was close. I was close. I'll I'll chalk that up as a win. So. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, we'll keep a tally on your imaginary scoreboard somewhere. Cool. Right, right up here. Okay. Uh, and the next one is from chapter twenty-four. And High Prince Dalinar is talking with another High Prince to try to get him to work with him. And Elliot, how would you like to say his name? Okay, this is one that, again, I feel like is going to be deceptively difficult, even though it looks simple. A lot of, too many vowels in this one, but I'm going for Rowian. Rowian. Rowian, okay. Uh, yeah. Paul, how do they say this, and how would you like to spell it? So it's Roy Royon. Ah. I that's correct, Royon. And I am a little embarrassed because I hear that there are quote unquote so many syllables, or so many. Uh, so, you said something like that because I did so very many vowels. Oh, vowels. Yes, I did very yeah. simple. I have R O Y. Seven A A N. Very simple. I mean, it's, that sounds like Roion, but Royon. you're headed in the right direction. Yeah, it's R O I O N. Roion. R O I O N. Yep. Roion. Yep. And you even you even wow. read this name last week on the map that I sent you, of all the high princes. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so you don't really have a pass for that one. <laughs> Well, at least you know I wasn't cheating. True. Kind of. Hey, we both got Navani, so... We did both get Navani. That's better than we usually do. That's a much cooler name than Royon. You making fun of Royon's name? Royon? Like, (laughs) come on, Royon? Like, give me a break. All right. (laughs) Uh, Elliot, you want to start us talking about Chapter 22 and the feast that Dalinar goes to? Sure. So... Chapter 22 was kind of another one of those where there wasn't a lot of action. It was more politics and culture and, and things like that. And while those chapters aren't quite as exciting as some of the, the, 
the Kaladin chapters or the the more exciting Dalinar chapters, like when they're fighting a, a Chasm Fiend. I, I still do appreciate the the, the culture chapters because I definitely get to to learn some stuff about this world, and this was definitely one of those one of those chapters. And I think the first thing I picked up on as we went to the the King's Feast was everything was was segregated. You had women sitting at specific tables, and you had men sitting at specific other tables. And then there was even a mention, it was kind of an offhand mention, where Dalinar references that they eat different food. And he mentioned that like in his childhood, he'd tried women's food once or something like that. That struck me as as kind of odd. Is this just a, an Alethi custom or or is this maybe Vorin religion driven? What What's going on with this? So Brandon Sanderson's been asked this in interviews and like older interviews, like only when the Way of Kings was out on what the heck is happening here. And he says that quirky uh, customs in human history just fascinate him. So that's why the uh, the Alethi women cover their, their safe hands with a sleeve for mm. no reason. That's just their custom, and they believe that to be modest, so that's what they do. And they the women's food is traditionally sweet, and the men's food is traditionally spicy. So they they don't they don't eat next to each other, and there's some very there's some very fine lines that Navani crosses uh, in this chapter of she can't approach mm, Dalinar yes. until he's done eating because they they're not allowed to eat together, but they can sit and converse together. So as like the second that he's done eating, she comes up and approaches him, and he's like, oh shoot, I finished my meal, and so. But she's yep. also not allowed to sit at the the king's table, and so she's sitting like right next to the king's table. So there's there's a lot of there's a lot of very specific uh, customs that the Alethi kind of kind of follow. But Navani doesn't care. She's going to she's going to talk to Dalinar if she wants to talk to Dalinar. She really pushes those boundaries. I thought the idea that of the, like woman's food was funny because it mentioned Dalinar had tried it once and I, I thought that was really funny like referring to when he was young and he like tried it and he was like it wasn't that bad or something mm -hmm. and <laughs> I, I thought it was actually really funny just kind of the like the naivete I guess like that is kind of portrayed there yeah those are fun quirky little custom just mm -hmm. I don't know. Another thing that makes this world different, I guess, and another reminder that you're in a different world. And then there were other little clues about food as well that caught my eye, like the different colors of the alcoholic drinks that they had and how Dalinar instructs his sons, oh, you're only drinking orange tonight or whatever it is that he says. <laughs> right. You know, that that's the non-alcoholic drink or whatever that is. That was another fun one. And then there was a funny reference to to chicken, right how chicken is like a rare it's a delicacy, delicacy yes. from a far off land or something like that yep so um everything from earth that we kind of e equate to nature is going to be the equivalent of shinovar in in the way of kings so he's going to refer to uh to chickens as those strange exotic shin creatures those shin flying creatures is what he describes them as and mm. so shinovar which is if you look at the map it's 
way it's all the way to the west of Roshar. It's on the very far west and it's surrounded by mountains. And so Shinovar doesn't actually get high storms. They are on Roshar and they don't get high storms. So the uh, culture and the setting, I guess, of Shinovar is very similar to Earth in that there are trees that don't that don't look like underground or underwater seaweed and there are there's grass and there's chickens and there's things that we're familiar with that Dalinar is not. So it's it's an interesting world interesting. world building. And then the only person we know that's from Shinovar is Zeth, Zeth at this point. Yes. He's Shin. Yep. Okay, but no one else, right? Correct. Okay. That's interesting. I actually did not remember that, that Zeth was from Shinovar. Or at least that he was the only one that we knew from Shinovar. That makes me very curious. Uh, makes me thing, very curious, too. With this chapter, one of my favorite moments was at the very start, they're all like showing up to this feast, right? And there's the King's Wit, who's, I guess, greeting people. But he's kind of just <laughs> roasting them at the door, just yep. insulting them. And I thought it, that that whole moment was really funny. He's talking to like ladies like, "Well, I can't believe you'd come here with your hair like that." I don't know uh, how 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 brave of you to show up like that. Yeah, how brave yep. of you to show up with your hair like that? And uh, it was it was actually hilarious. It the we talked to him in the past about the wit, and he's really interesting to me because he he seems we we compared him to a jester, and we we talked about how he wasn't really a jester. He's a lot different than that but he he's just like really comical and uh likes to tease right um, and such and i i thought that was really really funny of him and uh, it made me like him a little more just because it was funny but i still don't have established like feelings towards the wit right now i don't really like him but but it was, <laughs> it was a funny moment i guess but he does have he does have his comical side as as shown in the beginning of this chapter, but he also is more invested than just that surface level comedy. He does genuinely warn Dalinar about rumors that's being passed around with him that he his reputation is genuinely at risk at um and being slandered at this feast, and uh, Dalinar genuinely thanks him for warning him, and so there is he does have a genuine side to him. It's just his, his job is to sit there and insult people as they walk onto the Island. And even when he's giving Dalinar like viable information, he's still like making fun of Dalinar and mocking him the whole time. And Dalinar is, you know, getting irritated with him, but not enough to stop talking to him because he's getting some good information. And the, I, I did chuckle at this little wit section. It was pretty funny. I, I love wit. It, he's a very, very good character and like i said before one of my two words was political right and uh, i thought it was interesting so i i did that i chose that word because of navani and kind of the conversations that uh, she has and a lot of her pushing boundaries and such knowing what she can and can't do and then also i i think of that some with the wit in that He's very knowledgeable, and he kind of knows how to push the limits, push people's buttons almost. Mm -hmm. 
and such, but um, I, yeah, I think did... political was was a really good word for this chapter actually because we we quickly get into the politics of it as soon as as soon as Dalinar sits down and I mean he's talking to Adolin about his plan and then there's the whole bit where Navani comes over and starts talking politics and then we find out that Sadius has pulled off this brilliant political maneuver where he's kind of outmastered Dalinar in front of Elokar so political is well chosen good word the there's a phrase that Navani uses while while Sadius's announcement is happening uh, Sadius has announced the high prince of information which is an old Alethi custom that each high prince would be sanctioned off a certain responsibility in the kingdom one would be in charge of warfare one would be in charge of trade one would be in charge of investigating uh whatever and the f this is the first time elokar has announced something like this and it's it is part of the old alethi codes which is why dalinar uh was trying to push for him to be the high prince of war so that he could actually get things done but elokar refuses him and then the very next uh, the very next feast later, he announces uh, Sadius as the High Prince of Information. And halfway through this little announcement that Sadius is making, Navani has a very specific phrase, and she says she kind of trusts Sadius. And it, it, that kind of wraps this whole up, the whole thing up in a, a very nice bow for this whole chapter is nobody completely trusts each other dalinar doesn't completely trust navani navani is here and wit is uh, like definitely knows who she is and navani is talking to dalinar and says she kind of trusts sadia so nobody everyone is willing to work together and be friendly but nobody is willing to turn their back on the other person and completely trust them yet typical aristocrats <laughs> true I, I thought it was funny with the whole i kind of trust sadius yep and, and that it's i i feel the same way almost it's like i kind of trust sadius like we even from like our perspective of kind of seeing what's going on we know that sadius has been a good guy and that he's has honor but he's kind of corrupt and so it's pretty applicable to me too. I kind of trust Sadius, but at the same time, I don't trust him. Right. But yeah, so I guess I can relate to Navani some here. So far, we haven't been any given any reason to not trust Sadius, besides the fact that his moral code is more bent than Dalinar's. So other than that, he hasn't done anything deliberately against the crown or against Dalinar except a couple of these backhanded like insults or compliments towards Dalinar's uh, behavior as of late, but that's the only thing. It seems very this... alluded to that that there are going to be problems with, with Sadius like, throughout. He always seems like, you know, offhand remarks, not approving of Dalinar and really uppity in his... Um, approach with people and he's also known for like you said with the moral code like having the the man-powered run bridges and such so but then on the opposite side of the spectrum we have 
Dalinar's visions telling him very specifically to trust Sadius, which I want to believe the visions. I feel like it's something that's giving Dalinar important information. But yeah, at this point, we don't really have any reason besides that to trust Sadius. So I'm I'm very much in the I kind of trust Sadius's camp as well. Yes. Yeah. I'm really curious to see to see where that goes because I'm I'm sure that will be addressed um, in the future. There's a conversation that Adolin and Dalinar have with each other at the feast, and it's kind of off to the side, so nobody else is nobody else is there. Well, there are other people there, but nobody's listening in. And Adolin is confronting him or trying to confront him about his uh his visions the coat or the the way of kings that type of thing and dalinar's kind of brushing him off but at the end of this uh conversation it says i'm trying to decide adolin said which one has changed you most the visions the codes or that book if there's any difference if there's any difference between them the codes are separate from the other two dalinar said there are they are a tradition of old alethkar no they're related, father. All three. They're, t- they're tied together in you somehow. Dalinar thought on that for a moment. Could the lad have a point? So Adolin sees from an exterior perspective that Dalinar is, is tying the, these three together in his mind and trying to adhere to all three at once of the book, the visions, and the codes. And Dalinar still thinks of them as separate instances, but Adolin sees them as all, all together wrapped up in a bundle. They're all from the same, from the same source. I think Dalinar doesn't realize how much each of those things is affecting him. I think he, I'm getting the impression that he's interested in the way of Kings almost from a purely literary or philosophical interest and then now he's realizing oh man this book and the philosophy of it is is changing how i think it's changing how i act it's changing who i am and it's kind of taking adolin to point that out to him for Dalinar to realize that and then in chapter 24 here in a little bit is when things really come to a head when adolin really just lets loose on him and says hey man you're letting everything fall apart because you're getting too wrapped up in this this philosophy stuff yeah, he Adolin finally confronts him in chapter twenty four, and i i have a I have a a hard time visualizing in my head the gallery of maps. I don't know if this is a secluded library somewhere, or if it's like an open chamber with other people present, like a common common room area, because it's it's referred to later. And we'll we'll get there in a little bit that people spread the news around that Adolin and Dalinar are having a fight after this confrontation in the gallery of maps. But from the context, it doesn't seem like there's anybody else there. There's the he met with Roeon there, and it, I assume to be like a private, like you know, room in the gallery of maps, but. Then Adolin apologizes for when and where he confronted Dalinar. So 
I, I honestly don't know what the gallery of maps looks like. If it's a huge open like dome room area or if it's a secluded alcove somewhere in the palace. I don't know. Yeah, I my my thought just reading it for the first time, I didn't put that much thought into it to be honest about, you know, what does the the gallery of maps look like, but I had definitely assumed it was a more secluded or at least that there was some private section in there for them to have their conversation uh, just because it seemed like a like a private conversation. Um so I guess I was just under the assumption that it it was more more secluded not a super public area that they would be heard right so going back a little bit to wrap up some of our thoughts from chapter 22 i think we probably should talk about navani a little bit she strikes me as a new character that's unlike characters we've seen before except for possibly yasna which which makes sense but she she comes in and she seems very in control, very stately, very very much the monarch that Elkar isn't. I mean, Elkar's not a terrible monarch, but he doesn't quite fit the the role. Navani seems like the one who she walks into the room and everyone pays attention or everyone notices. Right. And then on top of that, there's a word that I didn't really know that references her she's described as an artifabrian am i saying that right yes okay so i i can i can guess that that means she she works at creating fabrials is, is that what that is so she very much like the the engineer kind of person they haven't they haven't explained it yet but yes basically you, you're you're pretty correct that she works with fabrials that's that's what that means And then she brings up a, a bit of information for Dalinar. She talks about how the Vadens have invented half shards, she's calling them, where they have apparently this new technology that's not quite full shard plate. They don't have shard blades, I guess, but they have basically shields, I think she said, that can defend against a shard blade. So that was interesting that so far shard bearer technology seems very exclusive and you can't just go and build your own suit of shard shard plate but now somebody's kind of unlocked the code a little bit is that what's going down here it seemed like a a big some big news even though dalinar didn't seem too shocked by it don't to me it really sounded like it, if i remember correctly dalinar was saying like i'll believe it when i see it but i'm assuming yeah that attempted before that people have been trying to make shard plate or some equivalent and so i'd imagine that he had heard of this before and it never actually works out it's always a rumor that oh we're building our own shard plate uh, that was what i i got from that yeah both of you were both of you were spot on that this it's definitely been rumored before that no nobody knows how to make shard plate nobody knows how to make shard blades and uh, Navani finally has reliable information that somebody has indeed invented something that blocks shard blades. So, uh, and Dalinar is just like, yeah, okay, I'll believe it whenever I see skeptical, it. Skeptical, for sure. Uh, yeah. But I am, I am curious because, so with Navani, she, she's very much this matriarchal character, 
Um, and I think I think it's going to be interesting to see where it goes, especially in this kind of culture where, I mean, everything is so separate. Like you said, you explained earlier, Trevor, how she couldn't approach Dalinar until after he'd finished eating and, and such like uh, things like that. Um, I feel like she would never let anything like that stop her from making a big impact and having these conversations. Um, and so I, I bet she's going to do some some crazy stuff. And she's Elokar's mother, correct? Correct. I, okay. So I, I have we seen a conversation between the two of them, Elokar and Navani? Nope, not yet. I'd be curious. I don't think to, so. I'd be curious to see some more conversations with between her and her her family members. The only the only interaction Maybe. there that you've like it's sort of an interaction is that Navani confides in Dalinar that Navani doesn't think he's a great monarch. Uh that he's he's a good man but he's not doing a good job with the with the throne. That's the only that's the only indication you've got so far. Yeah. Certainly. So kind of a big step down from the throne. I I'm really curious to talk with y'all about the the Kaladin chapters, or at least chapter twenty three, right now. So we have uh, Kaladin and his buddies now, uh, Teft and Numuhuku Makiaki Aino Lunamore, <laughs> go out and they Love that. Uh, they're getting this. What is it knobweed sap? Is that what it's called? Yep. You want to spell that one real quick? Uh, uh I'll we'll say <laughs> it can't be that bad. It right? just starts like, with a K. That's the only weird thing. A N O B. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Knobweed sap. That's easy. Not even worth it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so they go out and they start just finding all the knob knob weeds and sapping them as quick as they can, and uh, end up with like a, a bottle of it, right? And uh, Kaladin looks to sell that to, and he he's kind of just having this big attempt with the small group of of allies he has at the moment to try and either at least get some antiseptic for himself, and then also maybe make some money. And kind of investing into the situation that he's in, and I think uh, that was a really interesting chapter, and it really shows the the hard work that Kaladin is putting in, and also we get some uh, more friendships kind of built up along the way. The uh, the knob there. Sorry the the chapter where they go out and uh, gather all the knobweed sap is really interesting because. Uh, Rock can see Sill, and Sill can find the knobweed, and Teft can't. So Kep so Teft is kind of confused on why Rock is so much better at finding all this knobweed, <laughs> and uh, uh, they don't bother explaining it to him. Kaladin or Rock don't bother explaining it to him, and he's just a little. I just imagine him just being like a little frustrated at the like the competition of it. He's just like, how is how is he so much better at this than me? Like. <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to like Rock more and more. There's a couple different examples in this chapter of he's not quite what he seems at first. He's this big, hulking, you know, horn eater that's bigger than everyone else and huge muscles and whatnot. But then he he's actually really stealthy, we learn later in the chapter. And he's actually very delicate and gentle with his 
with his big hands when he's when they're when they're getting the the sap out of the the weeds and i just think that's kind of kind of fun that rocks rocks not what you see what he seems like at first and i'm i'm starting to like him quite a bit right yeah he successfully sneaks up on teft and he's very yeah he's very deliberate with uh what they the verb they use is milking the knobweed sap he's very yeah. he's very deliberate in that uh and uh sill declares halfway through the chapter that she likes him very much and uh Kaladin's like oh yeah why is that and she's like he's very polite and then sill said she he's too polite i can't spend too much time with him because he's too polite <laughs> And yeah, it's, it's there's a nice uh, sill moment tied in there with with rock. It's another one of my favorite things is these these little blurbs from Silfrena where she's just so candid and she doesn't have an eloquent way of saying things. But she's like, I like him very much. She's like, but I don't like him too much because he's just too. She can't quite put her finger on it almost. Right. And I think it's really funny. I love that. So quotes are always good. I liked th I like that we also in this chapter got to learn some more about culture and, and background and that was this time of the the horn eaters, which I was super curious about and we learned from little bits and pieces that rock drops along the way or sorry, Numu Huku whatever his name is. <laughs> drops along the yeah, way. A more. Yeah. That one. That yeah. one. <laughs> He, he mentions a couple things, and we, we learn a little bit about the, the Horn Eaters. We learn that they do come from the mountains. They come from the Horn Eater Peaks, which was something I was kind of guessing at before. And then Kaladin makes a mention of he thinks that Rock reveres Sill so much because perhaps Horn Eaters worship Spren. It, it seems like that's maybe not a confirmed thing at this point, but Kaladin just kind of is, is assuming that or, or guessing that, which is interesting. And then we also learn why they're called horn eaters. They're called horn eaters because they eat stuff like shells and horns and rocks or whatever other stuff. They just have really tough teeth, mm -hmm. I guess. So they just kind of throw it off in the stew. Right. If you so yeah. if you think about the uh, setting of Roshar, everything's either got a carapace or a shell, and so yeah. when they're cooking their food, you know they just toss it in the toss it in the stew let it let it boil a little bit and the, the the shells softened a little bit so just just eat it with the shell on that's what they do so they just eat their food with the crust on it yeah exactly <laughs> instead of taking the crust off they say and those people them. that don't peel oranges before they eat them they just you know chomp right into wow. them yeah i don't think no thanks exist, oh they do good an i good i promise Okay. Just you, Trevor. Just you. <laughs> uh oh. Cal but then we learn Cut. we learn also how uh how Rock became a bridgeman, which I thought was a hilarious story. First off, because it's just so kind of out there and what, and then the the punchline is pretty good. We learn that he he came down from the mountains with his 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 clan basically is kind of how I'm interpreting that, where he's come down following this leader, which we learn later is like a cousin of his and his their leader has come down in order to challenge a shard bearer to try and win a shard to become the first horn eater shard bearer and apparently he comes down and challenges Sadius and loses of course because Sadius has shard played in this 
corn eater guy doesn't. But then Rock becomes a servant in Sadius's house, specifically the chef, because apparently Rock is a is a chef. That's his his occupation. Mm-hmm. And then he he gets kicked down to the Bridgman level when he decides to put some chal dung into Sadius's soup. Yep. <laughs> That was hilarious, yeah. and I think Teft thought it was hilarious. Teft too. also thought it was hilarious, to the to the point where Kaladin was concerned that he was about to roll into the chasm from <laughs> laughing so hard. Yeah, yep. I yes, Rock is Rock is so funny because he's willing to go to the bridge cruise over something so petty. He doesn't like. Yeah. He does. He just wants to put Choldung in his soup because that's he has felt like it. I didn't think it was going to taste that strong. Yeah. yeah. So Kaladin, uh, before we move on from this chapter, Kaladin kind of has a, a discussion with himself while he's watching the bridgemen uh, gather uh, gather these stones. Sill's kind of in the area, but uh, Kaladin uh, thinks to... Uh, uh, Kaladin thinks to himself... As they're actually, they already have the knobweed sap, and they're they're headed down to the chasm to milk them. And this is where this excerpt is from. They approached the place where Kaladin had nearly killed himself. What a difference a few days could make! He felt like a different person, a strange hybrid of the man he had once been, the slave he'd been, he, the slave he'd become, and the pitiful wretch he still had to fight off. He remembered standing on the edge of the chasm, looking down. That darkness still terrified him. If I fail to save the bridgeman, that wretch will take control again. This time, he'll get his way. So, this is this is Calvin's depression again in a different light. Of there are multiple people inside of him, and he's still not free of it. He's still fighting, even though. He seems to be doing better these last couple days. He knows that if somehow he fails in doing this seemingly impossible task, that he will fall back in uh, and become the wretch, is as he as he describes it, this person who has no hope and just lives as an animal, basically. Um, and uh, there's a quote from a Brandon Sanderson interview that I would like to read for two of you about Kaladin. And he was asked how he, how he goes about the topic of uh, mental health. And um, he also has a, a character in one of his other books. I won't spoil anything. Who's on the, uh, who's on the spectrum of autistic. And uh, they were just, the question was asked, how do you, how do you address these topics in such an eloquent way, elo- eloquent way? Um, and this is Brandon, Brandon, this is part of the quote. The other half of the quote is a spoiler, so I'm not going to read that. But uh, Brandon Sanderson said this about Kaladin. I worked very hard to make it so that Kaladin is not defined by his depression. Kaladin is a protagonist who, who has depression, but depression is not Kaladin's main challenge. So Kaladin has this problem of winning over the bridgemen and saving these bridgemen. That's what he's decided to do. All while trying to battle his depression. So if he fails in doing A, B will take over. So 
and he's not only fighting B, he's primarily fighting A. So I just wanted to uh, highlight Brandon Sanderson's thoughts of Kaladin um, and why he wrote him the way he wrote him. Yeah, I think that's really insightful. I really like that that extra bit of of info there directly from the author himself. I I really I really appreciate this aspect of of Kaladin's character. It's a it's such a subtle but relatable way that readers can connect with with Kaladin and really feel that he's he's struggling to overcome the scenarios that are around him, but at the same time battling with with this depression, this inner struggle that he's having. So like the, the inner struggle and the outer struggle as well, which it, even if it's not depression, I think all of us relate to that where we're we're battling our own inner selves, whether it's just doubt or fear or whatever that is, while at the same time trying to live our lives and overcome our, our exterior battles. It's, it's a really well-written character, really well-written character so far. Yeah, I, I wouldn't describe the way of kings to someone as yeah it's a book about a guy who has depression i would describe it as right. a a book in a fantasy world and there there's characters just trying to make their make their way in this strange world and one of them happens to have depression so yeah like you said he does it so eloquently in that yeah, like the, you're introduced to the characters, and that's not on the forefront. I think that's kind of an important thing because uh, reading this, it makes it really exciting to like learn about these characters. But then you also start to feel for them more as you learn um, a, a more internal struggle that they have, kind of behind the scenes. And so, yeah, that is very well uh, executed here. Uh, Elliot, you have on the outline uh, part of. Kaladin and Rock and Teff's conversation about Kaladin's past, and you said he doesn't trust Light Eyes. You want to expound upon expand upon this? I I certainly do. So we we've had we've had now uh, numerous hints, and we get more now that Kaladin really has a chip on his shoulder against the the Light Eyes. Anytime anyone mentions Light Eyes, he he responds really almost violently sometimes the 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 quote in this chapter he he just refers to them as arrogant vengeful greedy corrupt to the core and rock just kind of you know gives him a funny look like Are you okay man yeah. and this has kind of formed a theory in my mind about kaladin's past we know so far that kaladin was a slave or made a slave because he killed someone. And there's been a couple references to that. There's even a little bit later in the discussion in the same chapter where Rock is, is saying, you killed a man and they made you a, a slave for that. And Kaladin specifically says, it wasn't murder. In fact, I was thanked for it by someone very important. That really had me scratching my head like, what happened? And I might be going out on a limb on this one, but I... I thought back to the the flashback chapter where Laurel was that the the girl's name. She she really encouraged Kaladin to go become a soldier so that he could kill a light eyes or no not kill a, a shard bearer and get a shard and become a light eyes. I wonder if Kaladin is so bitter against light eyes because maybe he actually succeeded in that, but then somehow got denied 
the the shard blade that he should have won. I might be stretching for this, but I can't think of anything else that would give him such a bitter look, outlook at all light eyes. I don't know. I'm going to write this one down. This is my new, my new Kaladin theory. So here's something I want to highlight for you that might reinforce or discourage you. Maybe t- depends on how you interpret this on your prediction is that when we get okay when we get uh flashback chapters for kaladin he does not have this visceral gut reaction to light eyes laurel herself is a light eyes and he's friends with her he all and it's hinted at that maybe she's a potential love interest of kaladin's in the future and uh when uh, Rashon comes in chapter 25. He's excited to go see the new light eyes of Hearthstone. He goes and the entire the entire family shows up and they're very excited to see Rashon show up for his first speech. It doesn't end up being that much of a speech, but they were excited originally. Yeah. So that I don't know if that infor- reinforces your theory of Kaladin trying to go uh, win a shard blade, but perhaps I, I i think it's clear in my mind that he's he's been betrayed or he feels like he's been backstabbed by a light eyes at some point that that has to be the case i think it's it's just a matter for me of what what was it that happened was it tied to trying to win a shard blade or is it something more like a love interest that that denied him or something like that that i'm not sure but i really want to lean on the side of epic so i'm i'm going for he tried to win a shard bear, shard blade, and become a shard bearer, but he was somehow denied it by a light eyes backstabbing him. Thoughts, Paul? That's a very interesting theory. I was thinking about that. I I hadn't really thought about that before, but um, I wasn't sure why there was a big dislike for light eyes, other than we just kind of see a repetitive character of light eyes almost being pompous or. Yeah, kind of like I said when we were talking earlier, like political kind of scheming almost, and it's just a lot of things that Kaladin doesn't really have a tolerance for and does not look up to at all. So that was my assumption was simply that he didn't like light eyes in a generic, they're stuck up kind of way. Um, But if there's some kind of big betrayal or big, big moment there, that would make a lot of sense too about why he would really have this bitter bitterness for them. The uh when when we get in this uh Kaladin flashback chapter chapter twenty five, he he expresses the desire to fit in. He all he wants to do is speak like the other villagers, like slur his words like they do and his mother corrects him as to, no, you're going to speak proper because what do you think of Mrs. What's-Her-Face? I don't remember her name. Um, when she speaks like that, and Kaladin's like, I think she's naive and is like doesn't have proper manners. And Kaladin's mother's like, well, then let's not talk like that, shall we? And he's like, well, okay, fine. Uh, and then also he, he still wants to be a soldier as opposed to a surgeon, because a surgeon, he would be ostracizing himself from everyone else, like his father is. They, they think he's, he doesn't, he doesn't fit in, certainly, but they, 
it's even goes further than that where the other villagers are suspicious of him stealing the spheres from uh laurel's father and they they think he does unnatural things by fixing people's broken bones and surgery and that type of thing they his mother explains it to him as the if you pray to the almighty and you don't get better that's because that that's the almighty and that's that's fine but if you go to Liren and you don't get better that's then Liren's fault that mm-hmm. uh Liren is then outcast because he didn't save whoever in their in their village and Kaladin what doesn't want that for himself he wants to fit in like maybe in the army or maybe somewhere else he doesn't know It's true. It was a very like difficult thing to to talk about with with his father Liren, in that uh, you might get a little bit of praise and approval for doing your work correctly, but you make one mistake, and it's like a big fuss, and uh, a lot of problems come because of that, and and such. So, yeah, makes sense that he would want to get away from that in his life. He sees how. His father's a little prejudiced against the, the other people of the town, and he doesn't want to be that. Which, which I can I can understand that. So a big thing. So still talking about uh, the title of our podcast. We've we've learned a little bit about Noadon over the chapters we've read. Um, we knew that he was right. Our prediction that he was important person, right? Um, we found out that that he was an author of the the Way of Kings or wrote that, and we found out from this chapter that he was king of Alethkar at some point, which I thought was really cool. Uh, we now know at least what he did, at least what his I guess occupation was. He was royalty. He was the the king, um, and so I I guess I would say our prediction was totally correct. Um, well. Elliot's was, I believe, didn't he? Elliot, Elliot's prediction. Elliot's was, yeah, <laughs> was spot on. Elliot's original yeah. prediction was uh, knowledge sprint. I just want to keep referring to this one because uh, this yeah. is. Uh, <laughs> that, it's still possible. My, my, we don't. That hasn't been answered. It, in theory, True. could be possible. I suppose. I mean, Sill has more personification than most spren, and so. Maybe there's some mm-hmm. spread in the past that have more personification than normal, but true. Maybe all these people are spread. I mean, we we don't know yet, right? I mean, people spread. <laughs> I'm, I'm hanging on to it. It still could be true, but maybe no, my my re- <laughs> my my revised prediction, which I got a lot of hints and clues before then, was was on, and I was I was excited to see that that Noadon was indeed a king and the king of Alethkar. Which which seems rather significant, and then also I think we got a little bit of of time to place him in as well. It it was a reference to him being a king of Alethkar in the days of the heralds. So I think we know that he not only was a king, he was a king of Alethkar, and he was a king of Alethkar a long, 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 long time ago. So we're learning we're learning a lot more. I think if this we're getting closer. If this helps you with the timeline at all the the radiance or the knight's radiant or however you want to who depending on who you talk to uh 
wrote their codes via the way of kings and even the radiants are far myths in the past so that tells you how old noadon is makes sense so he's pretty old i see yep this is uh so so you, on the topic of uh mentioning spren again i this is kind of backtracking slightly uh you talked about how i mean no one could be a knowledge spren right and uh earlier we talked about hmm. on on our outline we have about rock and how the horn eaters might worship spren that was a question mm-hmm. and whenever i saw that i was like whenever i read that on the outline i was like where did we see worship spren I couldn't, <laughs> like, worship Sprint. I was trying to think of, like, when when did they see worship Sprint? Like, that's, that's, that's kind of unrelated. I'm sorry. I just thought that was funny. There, there's Sprint for everything, so yeah, I, 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 I totally get that. Like they, I don't know. I mean, something's going on. We have seen Glory Sprint multiple times, Spren. so True. worship Sprint may not be that far-fetched. Not, 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 no Sprint is too far-fetched in <laughs> Just put spread next to next to whatever word you want, and exactly. yeah, they totally exist. Yes, I mean we um, we, we we theorized previously that there were computer spread and uh, spin yeah. spread and a whole bunch of different things. So exactly. So so coming up next, we're going to talk about uh, some in chapter twenty five. We meet Kaladin's mother spread, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, we we learn a little bit about that that past, and it's really interesting. I I was curious to hear uh, what y'all thought more about it. About his mother. Yes. I I did enjoy I did enjoy meeting meeting Kaladin's mother. Her name was Hasina, right? Hasina. Hasina is that how you? Yep. And she definitely she seemed a little more educated. Uh, maybe then, uh, like a commoner, she just seemed to to want her son to to achieve and be better than maybe the situation he was in, which which I relate to as a a new parent for sure. It was good to see that um, the bond between her and Kaladin a little bit, um, like you mentioned earlier, Trevor, like correcting his. His speech and, and things like that. Um, she really wanted the best for him, and also kind of had to whip him in shape a little bit because it wasn't. Calvin was being kind of apathetic about their their living situation and stuff, and she was like, "No, we're actually like kind of high up, or at least in proximity to the yeah. right, the people it's envious of and stuff." And she was kind of like, "Be grateful, almost." Yep. And uh, yeah, it was a it's a good. <laughs> uh, you know, a motherly moment with her her young child. I thought it was a really good um, description, and I'm really glad we kind of have this this puzzle piece fitted in here now with uh, Kaladin's family and kind of learning more about his past. Yep, she had a uh, an interesting comment about work, and Kaladin's father does not charge for his surgeries because he doesn't believe you should charge for medical care and which then makes uh Kaladin's mother need to work to su- support the family 
and Kaladin asks asks her about that. Why doesn't why doesn't Liren charge for his services so that you wouldn't have to work? And she says, "Well, I like working. So why why would we do that? Because I would work anyway, even if it was for even if we didn't need me to, I still would want to." So she she definitely has a very laborer's mindset of I'm I'm content supporting my family and that is that work in itself is self-fulfilling hard working was one of your your words right paul that yeah. is that tied it all together nicely any yeah, was, uh, any closing really hit the nail on the head there. any closing thoughts for this this uh episode Honestly, I think um, everything was covered. I don't have anything off the top of my head. Yeah, uh, same. As always, excited to read more. I I really want to know. I, I guess I'll say one thing. I want to know where Dalinar and Navani's relationship is going because there's a bit of tension there. I'm I'm guessing we're going to get more of that. Okay. All right. We shall reconvene. Thank you for thank you for joining me, Elliot and Paul. Of course. Farewell. <laughs>